Would you turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 22 to 35. And if you don't have a Bible with you, there should be a, a Bible in the pew back right in front of you. You could turn to page 873. And while you're turning there, let me just say a special happy Mother's Day to all of our <clears throat> mothers in the congregation and those who have come to join and be with your mothers. Welcome. We're so glad that you are here this morning. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 13, verses 22 to 35, in a message entitled, Enter Through the Narrow Door. Would you stand, please, for the reading of God's Word? He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from east and west, from north and south, and recline at table in the kingdom of God, and behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. Behold, your house is forsaken. And I tell you, you will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we pray that your spirit would illumine the text for us, that we would see wondrous things in your word. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things. Teach us, comfort us, 
Challenge us, rebuke us. Lord, have your way in our lives. And Lord, we pray that you would open the eyes of the blind, that you would raise the spiritually dead for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. We were driving out to Tybee yesterday to brave the 30-mile-an-hour gust of wind. And as we were driving out, we looked over to the left and saw a display out in the lawn of a church, and it was a bunch of doors together. They were of lots of colors, very colorful. And it said on the doors, God's doors are open to all. And of course, you know exactly what it means. You have to think about it for a minute. The reality is that, is that God's door is open to all who will come by the narrow way. You see, the kingdom of God is open to all who will come through the narrow door. They want everyone to be in the kingdom, and in our text today, it was the Jews who didn't want anybody to be in the kingdom but themselves. There's only one way, a narrow way, through, through which redemption could be accomplished for sinners. It was through Jerusalem. Did you see the emphasis in verses 22 and then down in verses 33 and 34? Luke tells us he went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying towards Jerusalem. We've seen since chapter 9, verse 51, this journey towards Jerusalem. Jesus had fixed his face like flint to go to Jerusalem. And what that meant was to go to the cross. He must die on a cross in the place of sinners. Verse 33 says, nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. See, the narrow way for redemption to be accomplished was through Jerusalem, through the cross. There was no other way. It's the way of obedience. Obedience to the point of death, even death on a cross. In a place that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. Jesus had to go to Jerusalem. He had to be rejected. He had to be lifted up on a cross. It was the only way. Jesus went the narrow way and opens a narrow door for all who will come through him. 
You see, people don't come into the kingdom by accident, by bloodlines or association. They come into the kingdom personally and purposefully by receiving and believing the message of the kingdom. Christ crucified and raised from the dead. Good news for sinners. Jesus stood in the place of sinners and bore the wrath of God in their place and was raised, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. See, people come into the kingdom personally and purposefully by receiving and believing the message of the kingdom. They strive to enter through the narrow door. They humble themselves and come in the only way that's available through Jesus Christ, crucified and raised from the dead. God's kingdom is open to all who will come through the narrow door. I want us to see six truths in this passage today. The first one is this. In verse 23, we see that entrance into the kingdom of God has nothing to do with your family tree. Entrance into the kingdom of God has nothing to do with your family tree. Look at verse 23. And someone said to him, Lord, will those who are saved be few? You see, the common understanding of the Jewish people in the first century was that they were the ones that would be in the kingdom. No one else. The kingdom wasn't for the Gentiles. The kingdom was for the Jews. And it would be the Jews only. And those who would be outside the kingdom would be the really, really bad sinners among the Jewish people. They, they wouldn't be in the kingdom. And everybody outside, the Gentiles, the dogs. You see, they saw themselves as the recipients of the kingdom because they were the bloodline of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were presuming that they were in and everybody else was out. So the question was, Will those who are saved be few, almost with a puffed-up chest? There's the few of us. And Jesus responds to them and says, strive to enter through the narrow door. See, entrance into the kingdom of God has nothing to do with your bloodline, your family tree. In fact, in John chapter 1, verses 11 to 13, John says, he came to his own and his own people, the Jewish people, did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. I heard someone say on TV just the other day that we're all children of God. 
And, and I knew what he meant. What he meant was we're, we're all human. We've, we, we've all been created. But what he said was not true. We're not all children of God. In fact, the Bible says that outside of Christ, we are children of wrath. You see, he came to his own and his own received him not, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. See, we become children of God through repenting of our sin and turning to Christ, trusting in the only way of redemption. We, we become children of God by entering the narrow door. Just because you grew up in a Christian home, you grew up going to church, you've been a longtime member of a church, just because you've memorized all the red letters in the Bible, you've heard the most famous preachers, none of that means that you'll enter the kingdom. You must go through the narrow door. It's the most inclusive, exclusive offer ever. It's open to all who will come the one way, through Jesus Christ, trusting in him alone. Number two, Entrance into the kingdom of God has everything to do with your personal conviction that the narrow door is the only way to enter. Entrance into the kingdom of God has everything to do with your personal conviction that the narrow door is the only way to enter. Jesus says in verse 24, Strive to enter through the narrow door. Now, the word strive, you might be thinking of work hard. No, that's not what it means. This is not about self-effort. This is not about justifying yourself through good works, working hard to enter the kingdom. That's not what this means. Strive to enter. It's the original word where we get our English word, Agonize, And it means this. It means to strive toward the goal. It's an athletic imagery. Strive towards the goal. To spiritually focus your aim. To order the priorities of your life. What it means is to strive is to recognize the sinfulness of sin, the seriousness of your situation, and the sufficiency of the Savior. And that's what it means to strive to enter the kingdom. See, you've heard the kingdom message. Because you believe it's true, you reprioritize your life with that as the goal. You say, I must have Jesus. If I don't have Jesus, I will perish. I must have Jesus. 
If I don't enter the narrow door, I will perish. You believe that because you believe the the seriousness of your sin, the, the seriousness of your situation, that apart from the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ and His forgiveness and Him granting you a righteousness to stand before the Father, you know that you will perish. The wrath of God remains on you. You know that. So Jesus says, strive to enter through the narrow door. This is the only imperative in the passage, and so it is the driving thrust of the passage. Strive to enter through the narrow door. And this is the message to all. In fact, you might put one door out front and say, enter through the narrow door, all are welcome. Come through the narrow door. Renouncing all of your sin and trusting in the all-sufficient Christ, come to the Savior. Number three, The opportunity to enter the kingdom of God is only available for a limited time. Second half of verse 24 through 25, Jesus says, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek and enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you, I do not know where you come from. See, there's a time when the door will be shut. The one way, the one door, the narrow door will be shut. remember preaching on death row in South Carolina. And I can remember walking up to a man who was slated to die by lethal injection the next day. And he was given anything he wanted that day. He, he was able to request his favorite foods and everything. And so I had the opportunity to stand face to face with him and say, repent and believe the gospel. Jesus died on the cross for sinners like you and for me, and he will forgive you. Turn from your sin, put your trust in Christ, and he will forgive you. You can have eternal life today. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Will you call upon the name of the Lord? And he said, nah, I'm going to take my chances. You see, there's coming a time when the door is shut. There is no opportunity. And for him, when he died, there was no opportunity after death to come into the kingdom. See, the time is now. Salvation is now. The opportunity to enter the kingdom of God is only available for a limited time. 
and there will be many, Jesus says, who will want to enter and will not be able. That's not now. Because the reality is, if you want to enter the kingdom now, even that desire is a gift of grace. See, we don't want to enter the kingdom of God. We want to run away from the kingdom of God. We don't want a king over our lives. So if you want to enter the kingdom of God, but that's because the grace of God is drawing you to himself. But there will be those who want to enter the kingdom of God later after the opportunity is passed because of the torment because of the pain and the suffering that will be theirs for eternity, because of the wrath of God that is remaining on them for all eternity. Number four, casual encounters with Jesus and being familiar with his teaching are not the same as entering his kingdom. Casual encounters with Jesus and being familiar with his teaching are not the same as entering his kingdom. Look at verses 26 and 27. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. They heard him teach. He ate and drank with them. They were casually associated with him, but that is not what it means to enter the kingdom. Strive to enter through the narrow door. Humble yourselves, repent, and believe the gospel. Come into the kingdom through Jesus Christ. You may be here today and you may be thinking even of yourself, your own testimony. You've been in the church your whole life. You can quote scripture left and right. You know the teaching of Jesus. Maybe you memorize the Beatitudes and you could spout them out on demand. And maybe you've encountered Jesus in powerful ways where he has been working in the congregation in life-transforming ways in the lives of other people. You've seen the work of God. And yet just because you know the Bible, you've heard the Bible, you've encountered the power of God, that doesn't mean that you're entering the kingdom. Turn from your self-reliance and self-justification and turn to Jesus alone for salvation. Number five, to refuse to enter the kingdom of God by the narrow door is to be cast out in eternal judgment. To refuse to enter the kingdom of God by the narrow door is to be cast out in eternal judgment. Look at verse 28. 
In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. You see, Jesus is speaking to the Jewish people who are relying on their family tree. They're relying on their bloodline. They think they're in, others are out. And Jesus is telling them that you're going to be surprised. If you don't come through the narrow way, you're going to be surprised that you're out and there's going to be others who are in that you wouldn't have expected. In fact, in verse 29, it says, and people will come from east and west and from north and south and recline at table in the kingdom of God. He's talking about the Gentiles coming from every tongue, tribe, nation, and language from east, west, west, north, and south, and they're going to be reclining in the kingdom of God at the banquet. Isaiah chapter 25 The prophet tells of this banquet. Verse 26, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined, and he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. There's coming a day when people from every tongue, tribe, and nation, and language will be banqueting with the Savior. Revelation 19 speaks of the marriage supper of the Lamb, that great banquet that we long for, that we look forward to. And Jesus is telling the Jewish people who are relying upon their heritage and their bloodline to refuse the kingdom, to refuse to enter through the narrow door is to be cast out into eternal judgment. The time is now. Repent and believe, he's telling them. But finally, number six, God is sovereign over the kingdom, and man is responsible to enter the kingdom, and God is good. These three things that we hold together God is sovereign, man is responsible, and God is good. Look at verses 31 to 35. At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, go and tell that fox. I don't think that's a very complimentary term. Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. He's saying, I will continue my ministry, and at the appointed time, I will finish my course. This is God's time, not Herod's time. This is God's sovereign timing, not man's time. Verse 33, nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow, 
and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. See, God's plan of salvation is that Jesus Christ would die on a cross in Jerusalem. All of the prophets pointed to the lifting up of the Son of Man in crucifixion, his sacrificial and atoning death in the place of sinners, and his resurrection to accomplish redemption for sinners. That was God's sovereign plan, and no man could thwart that. And Jesus has fixed his face like flint to accomplish the plan of the Father. So he says in verse 34, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. God is sovereign, absolutely. He's sovereign over the kingdom. He's sovereign over who enters the kingdom. But man is responsible, and he holds men responsible for their willing choices. How often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing? Behold, your house is forsaken. And so he says, and I tell you, You will not see me until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, if remember on the triumphal entry, we we looked at the passage several weeks ago. Remember the crowd shouting, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about on that day at the return of Christ, God is going to Open the eyes of the Jewish people. There has been a time of sovereign hardening. A partial hardening has come upon the people of Israel until the fullness of the number of Gentiles come in, Paul says in Romans chapter 11. See, God's purposes for all of the nations are being accomplished, and part of His purposes is the sovereign blinding and hardening of the Jewish people, a partial hardening, until that time when Jesus comes again, and Zechariah says, they will look on Him whom they have pierced, and the Lord will pour out a spirit of supplication, and they will mourn and weep and cry out to the Savior, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and all Israel will be saved. See, there's coming a day when God's purposes all come together in the return of Christ and the eternal kingdom and the banquet with all of God's people together around the table with Jesus. And God is sovereign, and He is accomplishing all of His holy will among the hosts of heaven and the inhabitants of the earth. But God holds men responsible. You must enter the kingdom through the narrow door. And that's a message for everyone, for all. Strive to enter through the narrow door. 
Reprioritize your life. Cast sin behind you. Repent of your sin. Fix your eyes on Jesus Christ and run into the arms of the Savior. He is the only hope for sinners. And maybe you're here today and you say, I've always thought that I was in the kingdom because I grew up in church, because I walked an aisle, because I was a member of a church. I, I based everything on that reality rather than on the finished work of Jesus Christ alone. Is that where your hope is in Christ alone? If not, today, in the words of the Lord Jesus, strive to enter through the narrow door. Come to me, Jesus says, and I will give you rest. Let's pray. Father, we pray that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, that you would work powerfully by your Holy Spirit through the word of God proclaimed. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you that you have revealed to us the narrow way of salvation, the only way of salvation. For if left to ourselves, we would think that everybody deserves to be in the kingdom. Where your word tells us that no one deserves to be in the kingdom. And that it's only by the grace of God that anyone is in the kingdom. So Lord, we praise you. We thank you for your grace. We pray that you would strengthen us as the body of Christ even as we minister in a lost and dying world. Lord, give us compassion. Give us integrity of heart that we would stand on the promises of the word of God, that we would tell the truth in love, that our hearts would break for those who are perishing. Lord, give us the compassion of Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.